Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we start off with a really good conversation on content. So you're going to get an insight into the brains of two content creators, and we just kind of go over our thoughts, go over uh, what we wish we could teach others about content, what we do inside our content, how we plan our content, um, and how important content actually is for not only just business owners, but for coaches and for clients and for people looking to educate and what true content creation is all about and how it takes reps and years to accumulate that uh, that amount of content, that, that ability to create content. And then after that, we dive into the questions. So we dive into a lot of training and nutrition questions. We dive into some stuff on menopause. We dive into some stuff on the diet break research. We dive into amino acids, collagen. Um, we really touched on a lot of really good nutrition ones today and a few training ones as well. So you guys are going to like this podcast. Before I jump into it, though, I want to make a major shout out to our sponsor, Top Notch Nutrition. You can head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash discounts slash boom boom or click the link in the show notes, much easier, and you can save 10 to 15% off on your purchase. If you guys enjoy the show, do me a huge favor, leave us a five-star rating and review, and then head over to iTunes, or I'm sorry, Instagram, and post a screenshot of this episode on your story and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to thank you for listening. I want to show you my appreciation, and then I want to share it on my story as well. Without any further ado, let's get on to the episode. I want to start with a very practical lesson today. Um, based on what happened today. Um, so you hear me talk about positive focus all the time, right? And it's basically, I mean, essentially journaling about situations and trying to extract something positive. Um, today, we had that fucking power outage. And a few years ago, I would have been so pissed. You know what I mean? Like, literally three back-to-back podcasts. Why a few years ago? Because I was, I mean... I wasn't as calm and collected. Mm. And and I, I don't think I could – I didn't think about positive focus as much, especially like I would even say like five years ago plus because I've been doing positive focus for a while. But power went out, and I'm like, I have one podcast to do in 10 minutes, another one to do in an hour, and then another one right after that. PSE says that 3,000 people are out of power for the next five hours, which it actually came back on early. Yeah. But my initial thought was like, okay, what can I do instead? So I literally went in my head and I was like, I need to write this program, need this, need this. Me and Travis can move this to this day. Like and I, I came outside and we were just like, we'll do this, this, this. You're like, all right, peace. Left. I left. But it's all good. Like I just think like people get so people are so reactive versus responsive. They don't have time to like think about what the fuck is going on and then course correct to have a positive outcome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like doing like I, I people always ask me about positive folks and they're like <laughs> What do I write about? Like, I don't know what's writing in my journal. Oh, do positive focus. I can't think of anything to write about. Shit, today I wrote about fucking the power outage. And it's like, what happened? What's the lesson? Why is it positive? Take something out of it. Apply that lesson. You know what I mean? There's always, in the lesson of that was there's always something else you can do, yeah. right? You're never in a position where you can't do anything at all. To put yourself forward. Exactly. Yourself forward, yeah. There's always something you can do. It wasn't what I had planned on doing, yeah. but I got two things done while I was at home for an hour because I went there to get where there was internet that I was going to do tomorrow morning. So now tomorrow morning, I'm going to record a podcast. Yeah. Plain and simple. So, but I think like the whole point with that is people always ask me like, what do I write about? What's the point of doing positive focus? The point of it is so when shit happens, you immediately think of a positive. You immediately course correct. You immediately shift your mind and just do something instead of dwelling in the negative. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That was great. I just want to share it. Yeah. I, but I think a lot of that has to do with how well we are prepared. Like, cause we have so much stuff filmed mm-hmm. in so many podcasts. Um, we don't have that many podcasts ready to go. Well, <laughs> we need these podcasts. Yeah, this yeah, week yeah, yeah. In order Not to as much as, task. not as much as content. Yeah. But we got a lot of Instagram content right now. Yeah. We've been crushing yeah. the Instagram content. Dude. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that 
that you guys shared this morning. I was just like looking at the, I was looking at the thumbnails that we were going over, and I was like, dude, we got a lot of good shit. Yeah. Like, so I I went through and people always ask me this too, like how how far in advance do you like write your content? Sometimes I write it like a, a week. week in advance. Sometimes it's like on the spot because yeah. like this the post I did today, I wrote that this morning. Really. Because that's what was on my mind. You know what I mean? And, and like, I was like, all right, I want to talk about this. What's a good picture for that? I just took a picture with Pal of me and a polo. I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. But I don't always do that. Like today I wrote 10 Instagram posts in a row because I was just like in that mode. And I was like, it's fucking grind away. And it was like all the captions for all the stuff that you're working on right now. Yeah. So I just have them ready to go. But then I looked at that. And then I looked at all the pictures I had ready to upload, and I was like, "Dude, we're gonna have so many ready to go." Sick in the tank. I love that feeling. Yeah, you just know content's good for a while. Yeah, especially with next week, I'm gonna be busy with Blakely, so it's gonna be nice to just be able to just click post. That's a, that's hard for some people to comprehend. That I don't know if it's that you have content that prepared that far ahead of time, or that you're like that worried about content. Like, Dude. content is everything. A massive, <laughs> a massive aspect in business. I'm gonna get a tattoo that says "content." On oh my it. god! <laughs> like, Dude, please don't. Content across my knuckles. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. Content I think, is life. <laughs> I think. I think people forget that. I mean, in our space, content is marketing. Yes. So Education. People are like, you know, a lot of people think of investing in marketing. They think of investing in advertising. Yep. But in our area we don't you don't spend money on that you spend money on creating quality content which is hard for people to grasp because i'm going to spend money and invest all my time into creating this free thing and cross my fingers and hope that it benefits my business down the road it, it is advertising but you're advertising your way with value yeah you're it, it's it's called content marketing but it's it's essentially it's it's creating free content to build trust there you go. with people yeah. because if I can teach people what I know and show them that I have something valuable to offer. They'll gain your trust. Yeah. They'll, they'll trust me them. and they'll yeah. start to consume more. And then when they need help, because we're not forcing anybody to work with us, yeah. they'll reach out to us. Yeah. We I was talking about that with Andreas today and just like how to like think about that and, and consistently do that without worrying about how much time it takes, yeah. how much money you have to invest in it without a guaranteed ROI, you know, but it's, I think it's, it's the biggest thing that, People fail to do like you have to be able to create. Luckily for me, I love it. Like that's one of my favorite things about, I guess my job. You could say, yeah, it's I just love that you love it, dude. Creating content, yeah, <laughs> definitely supports you <laughs> and what you want to do. That's so dope. It's fun as fuck, man. That's yeah. I think that's a huge, huge. I and mean, we talked about it in other podcasts, but be the the passion you have for content is a lot of the reason you've gotten to where you, you are yeah. because you are so consistent and I don't want to say good at it because that's intimidating to some people, but you're just very comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've gained that comfortability from repetitions. Y- yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, like I, I literally, and I, I say this on the podcast. I literally was the first person to turn a camera on with Cody and it was like, all right, next one. All right, yeah. next one. It wasn't always one take Jake. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Know? In the, I mean, the quality was bad. I, I said, uh, and stuttered and yeah. I didn't have things mapped out. I didn't know what I wanted to say. I knew what I wanted to say. I just didn't know how to articulate it on camera, on camera. Absolutely. But it just takes time. I even talked to this about like either like coaches who want business advice or like my coaches when they're getting ready to start, like, like somebody applies for coaching, we get on the phone with them for free. No, no strings attached just to get to know them and yeah. then make sure it's a good fit on both sides. And that can be intimidating for new coaches, you know, like I gotta get on the phone with somebody and, and basically yeah. sell myself. Like, mm-hmm. this is why we're going to help you. And they're like, how do you get so good at it? Like, how are you so confident with it? And I was like, I have probably taken 10,000 calls. Yeah. Like literally 10,000 calls Yep. between this business and the one I used to work for. I just been on the phone with so many people that at first I was like, uh, 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 yeah. scared, stuttering, didn't know what to say. Awkward pauses. Now it's, it's just, I love getting on the phone with people. Yeah. I actually have to like limit it because it takes up a bunch of time, yeah. but it's fun. I also think like starting with that being said, but not on, not on the realm of sales calls, but um, with being comfortable in front of the camera and stuff, I think a lot of that comes with back to when you started doing Facebook lives mm-hmm. and a lot of it's live. Yeah. So you're like, well, I'm here anyway. Sink or swim. And then you, you do that a hundred times. 
200,000 times, then when you're behind the camera, you still don't have to, you know, yeah. you don't have to cut, take, cut, take, because you're already doing it live so many times yeah. that it makes you better. Yeah, that was actually one of the first things that Steve Krebs, when I was working with him as like my mentor, challenged me to do. He's yeah. like, every single week you have to do a Facebook Live. Yeah. And then it became two Facebook Lives. And it was like, I'm just going to keep doing them. Yeah. And I'll do them in groups and then do them publicly. But I think what that helps too is like, even when we're filming, I'll like stumble and then correct and keep going. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to, to like pause the last five minutes of like quality content just because I just fumbled a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just going to like, I'm not going to bite my tongue. I'm just going to keep going. And you can, if you, if you pay attention to the content, you can see when I kind of fuck up. Absolutely. But then I just roll over and keep going because yeah. at the end of the day, people, it's like, it's like, I always have to remember this before I get on a, on a stage in front of people. Cause that always makes me nervous. They do not want me to mess up. Because there's nothing worse than being in the crowd and somebody's just bombing it on stage and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, you're embarrassed for them. You don't want to watch. Yep. So, like, every time before I get on, I'm like, these people want me to do well. Probably better than – more than I want to do well. So, I'll be fine. And then it's easy to, like, do it. And I think it's the same thing with with the camera. Like, people don't expect you to be perfect. People aren't, like, looking for your your flaws. Yeah. But, no, man, I I could – I wish there was something I could do to, like – I mean, there probably is like I could probably create a course on it or something eventually, but well, I just there, there is a course, uh, public speaking. No, I know, but I mean on content creation. Oh, like I even thought about. Um, so Rob Deerdeck does basically what he does now, besides control MTV <laughs> twenty four hours a day. Yeah, uh, with ridiculousness. But what he does is he has a a startup company. I think it's called the Deerdeck Machine. Like I think that's actually the title of his business. Sweet. And basically business owners come in and they're like, here's our business. Here's our plan. This is what we want to do. Shark tank. <laughs> it's kind of like shark tank. Yeah. And he goes, okay, I'll invest and help you build it. So he like gets on the creative end and actually helps them build it. And then he pieces out once he's done. Cause he's like, I just love building new companies. It's crazy. Interesting. So sick. Yeah. But I was like, man, I would love to like come in and, and do that with content. Yeah. Somebody comes in and they're like, Here's my business. Here's what we want to do. I do not understand content. Cool. Let's start creating. And it's like lay out the platforms, lay out the schedule, lay out the styles, lay out the topics. I think you did do that a lot with your business clients. Mm -hmm. I don't don't know this, but correct me if I'm wrong, but with that kind of stuff, it boils down to doing it. Yeah, 100%. You need to do this on Monday morning. You have to do this on Wednesday afternoon. You have to do this. And if you don't, it won't go out. It won't be. It's all about consistency. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that consistency that I hate to say it, you do, but you, like you have to have a uh, a menu, like a literal like schedule planned out like that system. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's like I always tell people like look at your content like like you did TV shows when you were a kid. Like you knew Thursday night at, at yeah. eight p.m. Yes. Ed Ed and Eddie was on. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm yeah. gonna watch that. Yeah, so. I always think about it like that. Okay, like we have to have a podcast that goes out on these mornings. We have to have – I do a newsletter Monday through Friday now, five days a week, every single morning. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> it's all just value. Yeah. It's just all content. Yeah. Sometimes I, I honestly don't know I've re- Yeah. I, re- I read – I read probably one or two a week, but there's been a few in the last three weeks. It was like I have no idea what to say this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to talk to you anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you know what's funny is those have the best responses. Really? Good. Yeah. They're relatable, man. Because people are like, that's the realest shit I've read in a long time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm completely st-. but like the cool thing is if you read it, I'm actually like talking like thinking th- with my words. Absolutely. So I'm like, yeah. man, I have nothing to say. Like, where can I go with this? What's the positive behind this? And I do positive focus, and I basically just pull a lesson out of it. By the end of the newsletter, I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. Sign off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and as the um, the reader, they're like, damn, he's right. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I, those go out every, because I think you do in positive focus so much yeah. that you pull those things out. Other people wouldn't be able to. And then when they see the end of it, they're like, wow. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. But you have to do positive focus quite a bit to be able to like do it like that. And it just, I mean, I'm that's just why doing people, it for years since people, a lot of people haven't done it for that long. Reading that one newsletter is beneficial. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so those go out every Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. If you're not on my newsletter and you want to be on it, it's, it's literally just a ton of value. It's not like sales and shit. It's, it's like just content and value. Um, if you go to the website, pop-up comes up, get the free nutrition 
manual. It's the the tailored nutrition method. It's an ebook. It's like eighty six pages of nutrition content, free again. And then you get on my email list from that. But the reason I was saying that is because it goes out at eight a.m. I write it every morning at seven a.m. So it's literally like I write it right before. So that's like what's on my mind that morning, which so is really cool too. You don't you don't pre pre write those. No, that's just to me. It's kind of part morning of my routine. yeah. It's part of my morning routine. It's it, it kind of allows me to be creative and write. You Dope. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's gonna question. You want to do a Q and A today? Yeah, let's do a Q and A. All right, that's a good we idea. We start with the yellow. Yes. All right, this is glitching hard. I can't even hear myself. Hello. All right. You good? Let's try it out. Are you good? Can you hear? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first question is gonna come from Tristan Winters. Can you hear me now? Good. good. Tristan says, I had a really big topic. If, uh, I had a really big topic. A few of us who listened to you in Knoxville wanted to maybe hear on a podcast. Multi-level marketing. Arb- Dude, I can't even say that. Is, isn't exi- Isogenics. <sighs> yeah. I, only because I've heard it. I wouldn't know. If I, if I didn't know what that was, I wouldn't. And Isogenics Arbon. is kind of like. Isogenics. Uh, what is that company? Um Active track? No. Don't. I, I can't remember. Okay. It's a it's another M M M M L A. Is that what those are? Multiple multiple marketing level something. Hmm. Anyway. Alright, so multi level marketing, isogenics and Arbon. 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 In Knoxville it is blowing up. I have had a few clients come my way eating two shakes a day and one quote unquote cheat meal. Total out to be around 900 calories by the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so I, what's my thoughts on it, basically? I guess so, yeah. Um, so Isogenics, there's another one. I can't fucking remember off the top of my head. I think it starts with A. I think it has active in it. But um, they actually sponsored the – yeah, if you type in nutrition, MLM, it'll, it's probably one of the biggest ones there is. Call me Jamie. Jamie. Um, so – I'm not a fan. I mean, they're they're pyramid schemes. They're essentially there's there's no legit. Usually, with the supplement side of things, there's no legitimacy in, in like you can't get Amway. What's that? Amway. No, but that's probably another. Oh, I was, I was almost hooked into one of those. Rx. Really? A R I X. Nope. Are these all nutrition ones? These are all MLMs. Oh yeah, but type in nutrition. I did. Oh damn. Um. Anyway, MLMs are basically it, – it's I mean it's exactly what it sounds like. Multiple level marketing. It's basically based off affiliates marketing a product. So the higher you get up, the more affiliates you have underneath you. The more affiliates you have underneath you, the more money you're making. And the dream is to have more affiliates underneath you. So yeah. it's like literally this pyramid scheme of like, hey, buy these supplements from me. When you do, you can also become an affiliate of me. Mm-hmm. Once you become an affiliate of me, you have all these supplements you bought from me. You can sell those to people. So it's it now it becomes like people trying to convince other people to buy and sell for them. Yep. So it's a big tree of people making money off each other selling shit. Yeah. And there's no and end user who – there's very few end users who are just like, hey, I don't want to sell your product, but I really want health benefits. Right? Like it's it's – and the problem with that too is if we look for like – Look at the ingredients. It's probably a bunch of proprietary blends, which doesn't give me any information because like if you take a creatine supplement and there's a proprietary blend and let's say there's some creatine in it, there's some uh, citrulline malate, maybe there's uh, a little bit of maltodextrin. It's probably all maltodextrin with a little bit of creatine because that's how they save money, right? They take all the good shit out of it and they put fillers. Mm -hmm. So you have a supplement, it's placebo, and you're spending money with them. Um, so we don't know, and there's no labs to show it. They don't put that stuff like labdoor.com. You can go to, and you can see the rankings of all supplements. Um, most supplements, unfortunately, top notch nutrition is not on there. The good thing about top notch is I text Johnny and I'm like, <laughs> he probably thinks I'm going to, I'm like, yo, can you send me the lab results for your fish oil? And he'll literally sh- send me the paperwork of like where it's sourced Hard from copies? or like an e- email okay. PDF, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. it's from like, it's, it's not like, like, uh, pretty it's it's like literal like what they do in the back end you know what i mean to make sure it's good quality um but you can't get that shit with isogenics isogenics is a meal replacement shake it's basically like saying hey we're gonna put some 
multivitamins, basically a multivitamin whey protein inside of a shake. You're just going to drink that instead of a meal. Yeah. Okay. If you drink two of those and you're only eating 900 calories because of it, a, of course you're going to fucking lose weight. Yeah. You're eating nothing. B it's not sustainable because you can't just drink shakes for the rest of your life, nor do you want to C you get this free cheat meal every week, which usually turns into a binge. And now you're having a poor relationship with dieting where you're restricting to 900 calories, not eating at all. And then binging on a bunch of donuts and a bunch of shit. And you can absolutely like regress all your results with one cheat meal. I've done that plenty of times back in the day. I would have Saturdays with my cheat day. I would just go ham. We'd go to like salty's brunch and I would just stuff my face, go home and eat as much as I can. Cause I'm like, it's cheat day. I got to get as much as I can in before the end of the day. And then I'd like gain weight from that day. Right. And then all week, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it. It's like, and it just creates a bad relationship with food. Yeah. It's not sustainable or balanced, but, um, in general, like things like isogenics, I do not agree with. I think it's unsustainable. It's marketed well. So, so gen pop who don't have a lot of information about what good quality nutrition is fall into it. And it's a shame. Yeah. It's all money oriented. Nice. They sell, you're talking about them selling these supplements. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah. I uh, I watched that Doctor Ron Patrick last night. Yeah. Um. What what where? This might be a stupid question, so forgive me. But uh, where what supplements can you get to get like I use? Oh, um, for vitamin D. So IU is a it's just a form of measurement. It's like just a measurement. Oh. Um. I don't even know many other maybe vitamin K, but maybe not. Um, most vitamins are measured in milligrams. Yeah. Vitamin D is measured in IUs. So you just take a vitamin D international there. unit is what it stands for. Okay. So, um, when you look at the label, like top notch nutrition's theirs is 5,000 IUs. Okay. So like they were talking about, they supplement with 5,000. Yeah. You take one of those a day. Gotcha. I'm supplementing with 10,000 right now. Damn. Two of those. Um, Didn't they say like 8,000 is max? No. So. 5,000 is like the high end of what you should be taking. Uh, 10,000 is the highest that they've ever documented. So the highest they've ever done a study uh, was 10,000 IUs. There was no negative consequences. Um, The reason I'm taking 10,000 is one, it does help like hormones, testosterone, stuff like that. But two, I'm doing it because I'm not outside as much Mm -hmm. and COVID's going on. So at this point in time, I'm more concerned about taking care of my immune system than ever. So I talked to my doctor. I was like, yo, is it bad if I take 10,000? He's like, no, I would absolutely do that. I was like, all right, cool. So I've just been taking 10,000. Dope. Yeah, and remember, I'm a hundred almost 80-pound man. Yeah. Like, for, if you're a 120-pound female listening, you don't need 10,000. Yeah. Like, 5,000 is maxing out. I'm surprised. Not Actually, I'm not surprised you don't care about these companies. But uh, I'm surprised you haven't heard of Amway. I feel like I have. You know, you know why I have is because I've seen it on a soccer jersey. Yeah. That's the only reason. They're, they're and the that's I'm trying to think of the name of the team that was sponsored by the company I'm thinking of. Uh, I think the Sounders were for a while, and I'm pretty sure Man U was. Mm. Yeah, Man U, I think, was. They were 0-2. Um, for Amway? No, no, no. I think I think Man- Manchester United was uh, 0-2. What do you mean 0-2? That's the sponsors. Oh, I was like, what? I, th- I think. I might be wrong, but uh, the Orlando Magic is their stadium is the Amway Center. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, they're a massive MLM. All right, oh, we Man- good. Manchester United is is uh sponsored by Chevy now. Well, yeah, they probably had tons of different changes. Yeah. Next question? Yep. All right, so we're going to go on to Brant Bermendez. Bermendez. Do you count collagen protein powders like vital protein uh, proteins or collagen protein pills in your total daily protein intake? I personally don't, but I also don't take collagen anymore. Not because it's not in your coffee. I don't. Yeah. Just because I honestly, I forgot to get it one time when I was at Costco and then I was like, I really don't mind. Top notch. Uh, top notch has collagen. I'm trying to convince them to make a new one because their collagen, it's actually, it's their collagen tastes better and it actually has more nutrients in it but it's also has added fat Mm. so if you get like vital proteins it's zero fat and it's just straight protein seven grams protein 
theirs has some fat in it because there's other ingredients like coconut mm. and stuff like that. So great for you, especially if you want to do like bulletproof coffee for people who like don't want to eat a big breakfast. They just maybe want like a whey shake and then some coffee. Put a scoop of that in your coffee. It gives you a little protein, gives you a little bit of MCT oil, which is the fat from coconut, which is really healthy and it's actually good for like brain function. It's MCT oil and tri- well, multi-chain triglycerides is MCT. That's the type of fat in a coconut and coconut oil and coconut products. It's the only fat that can be uh, rapidly absorbed in the liver as energy. Hmm. Everything else is like very slow release for energy, whereas carbs are like fast. But coconut's great for that. But um, I typically I like to save my macros for butter and eggs and shit like that. So I just don't I don't have that collagen. But um, I stopped drinking it just because I was like I really don't mind just black coffee, and I drink one cup of coffee now a day. Black coffee. Yeah, just black coffee with a little bit of stevia. Nice. I'm good. I did. So, and it's like, why spend the money? Why spend 40 bucks on collagen, you know, yeah. or waste my like box that I get per month. Like I only get so many supplements from top notch at a yeah. time, you know? Um, but, um, and I'm trying to make my teeth whiter. So I stopped drinking so much coffee is actually the real reason. Why. <laughs> um, so I just been drinking rock stars, but, uh, good. I don't think like I didn't because I was drinking it every day. So it's an unchanged variable. Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm, if I'm, let's say I'm striving for 200 grams of protein and I, I know I have that scoop of collagen every day. So technically I'm hitting two, 207. Who cares? Yeah. Seven grams of protein. It's not going to cause fat gain. It's just strictly protein. And if you're having it every day, great. And if you don't have it, don't track it. It's like not a big deal. Um, however, if you're having multiple scoops per day and you're on a fat loss phase, I would say maybe track it because it is still calories and you're trying to be in a deficit. If you're at maintenance or you're just chilling or trying to gain, I don't think it's as big of a deal. But I also don't think it's as high of quality. It's it's a different type of protein for a different purpose. It's going to help skin, hair, nails, things like that, and then also like tendons and ligaments. So if you have an injury or if if like even for like women who are like, oh, I just want like more vibrant skin, vibrant hair, great, take collagen. It's perfect, yeah. you know. Um, but it doesn't have much leucine in it at all. The amino acid structure of collagen is just not advantageous for strength or muscle. So it can't replace your protein intake. So if you're on a fat loss phase, I think you can you have to add it because it is calories, especially if you're having more than just one scoop. Um, but I wouldn't count it towards like your actual protein intake. Gotcha. So that's just a bit. Dope, yeah. All right. So um, we'll go to the next question. We got Courtney Thomas. She says, I listened to your podcast with Dr. Bill Campbell. It was a good one. Do you think, given his research, you will change how often you implement refeed days for clients as opposed to diet breaks? What makes you you decide to use one over the other? What are some strategies you use with clients whose bodies are fighting a reverse diet every step of the way? As in, they gain quite a bit of weight and then they don't respond to a deficit. Michelle? Nope. Oh, um, Courtney Thomas. Oh, Michelle, uh, both my clients, Michelle had, Michelle asked, I didn't hear what you said with the Courtney name. Courtney is a client. Yep. And, She's and probably wondering if you're going to give her a refeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she gets a diet break every fourth week. Um, so she already knows, but, uh, really good question. Um, the reason I asked if it was Michelle is cause my other client, Michelle had a, a similar question to that this week. Gotcha. Um, I think it's, it's funny because like Bill Campbell came on and he explained his study Loved what he had to say. Eric Helms reviewed it in mass research review. Loved what he had to say about it. Brandon, our CSO, reviewed it. Didn't have great things to say. And it's cool because you can hear they're all right and they all have valid points. But you can see how different scientists have different perspectives and interpretations of the research done. Because one person can read one thing and think blank. And then another person thinks blank. Right? Like two completely different things. Um so what I think about the study, like the study isn't going to change how I do things at all um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's only one study. We need more research to prove either one direction because there's reasons why diet, it, it kind of proved that you don't really need diet breaks because both groups did, lost the same amount. So if you don't like diet breaks, don't take them. If you enjoy them, take them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neutral. Um, and then there's reasons why it might be better because they did see some more muscle maintenance throughout the process, but Brandon kind of picked it apart and explained some reasons why that could have been that they didn't test. Um, so his, and, and we talked about this in the research review and then we just released a blog last week as well, um, with the research roundup. So I'll link those in the show notes so you guys can go check it out. But 
like what he was saying, it could have been just water. You mm-hmm. know, if you have a refeed, you have more carbs, you pull in more water, the muscle cell, a DEXA or an ultrasound will mistake that water as new muscle, mm-hmm. right? Or muscle maintained throughout the cut. So that could be like, oh, it really wasn't muscle maintenance. It was just extra intracellular fluids. The problem with that is muscle is primarily made up of water. So if we're keeping more water in the muscle, it's going to stay fuller. Whether it's tissue or not, yep. your muscles are still bigger and they're still there. You know what I mean? If, if we're going after aesthetics, it makes a good point because at the end of the diet, do you look better or not? Right? Um, direct or indirect, who knows? But I think at the end of the day, like – you know, that study showed that they're pretty neutral. The Matador study showed that they're really beneficial. However, the sacrifice that you have to make is dieting even longer. So the Matador study, I believe, was two weeks on, two weeks off. Was It was either two weeks on, two weeks off, or two weeks on, one week off. I think it was two and two. But basically, they did a 16-week diet, and then they did a 32-week diet because this, the they had to have the same amount of time in a deficit. But one group got those diet breaks. The group that did the diet breaks got better results because like from a metabolic adaptation, a muscular, uh, a muscle maintenance perspective, those things, health, it was, they, their results were better, but they also spent 32 fucking weeks. That's seven months. Yeah. Eight months. Yep. Eight months. Eight months. It's wild. That's way too long. Uh, I mean, it's not way too long. You can do that, but how many people want to commit to eight months of dieting? You know, that's really hard. Um, for some people it does work better cause they're patient and they want to do it the right way and they need those breaks. So I think it's one of those things for me, it, it kind of just solidified that there's no right way to do it. You know, I have clients that I do five days on two days off, seven days on two days off, 10 days on three days off, uh, three weeks on one week off, two weeks on one week off. Like there's just so many ways to skin a cat. Like yeah. it's insane. Um, and it's even changed. Some clients I'm like, Hey, we're going to, here's your deficit and we're going to take a diet break somewhere between three to five days somewhere between every four to six weeks. Like, so it's like everything's up in the air and I'm just watching how's their stress. How's their sleep? How's their performance? How's their recovery? How's their weight trending? As soon as they start losing weight too quick and, or biofeedback tanks, I give them the diet break. Or if they're coasting and they're at a good rate and they feel fine, I'm going to push it out because we know that it's not like the saving grace to give them a diet break. It might just help a little bit for sustainability. So for me, it's, it's not going to change at all. Um, I think it, some of the points inside the study solidified my reasoning as to why I, I like to take diet breaks. Some of them did not solidify uh, the physiological reasons I thought I wanted people to take diet breaks, as in um, metabolism, leptin, ghrelin, all these hunger hormones. Like, can we reverse those during diet break? That's still pretty inconclusive. It's hard to say. Um, but diet breaks typically psychologically help people. It's easier to get through a diet if you do diet breaks. And if it's easier to get through the diet, you're more motivated and consistent with the diet. If you're more motivated and consistent, better results, you're going to have better results. Yeah. Period. So, um, yeah, I don't think it changed anything for me. Uh, and at the end of the day, like experience trumps everything, you know, you could do a study that says like, tells me diet breaks are bad and I would still be like, huh, well, I'm still going to use them because my clients are doing better with them. Yeah. If clients are doing better with them, that's all the science I need, yeah. right? And I think that's what being evidence-based actually is because evidence-based is like this big movement in, in the yes. coaching space now. It's using science and anecdote or experience and putting them together. Okay, here's what the science says. However, here's what my experience says. Or, the, or What does that or tell me? Or client's experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my experience with clients. Yes. What does that say? Meet in the middle. Yeah. There's always that gray area, right? So, um, and then as far as like she, she asked if somebody's – not responding to a reverse. Yeah. So she said, uh, what are some strategies you use with clients whose bodies are fighting a reverse diet every step of the way, as in they gain a, a quite a bit of weight and then they don't respond to a deficit. Yeah. Um, it's so hard because it just depends on the person. You know, I think that, I think for some people, um, I think for some people it is a matter of lifestyle stress. For some people, it's I, I have a, like a client right now that I'm thinking of that we took her through a reverse and then we brought her into a deficit and her body didn't respond on the scale, hmm. but I think she's improving visually, um, but she's having a tough time. But we started the deficit coincidentally, and I didn't mean to do it this way. I wouldn't have done it this way if I knew that she was getting back in the gym the same week that she went back to CrossFit because the gym opened over there now that quarantine's ending mm-hmm. for some people. So she went from barely training at all at home to like going into deficit and increasing stress and intensity at the gym. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. So even if she's still in a in a state where she can recover, cortisol is going to be higher. Uh, so water retention is going to be up because there is more stress going on. That's fine. Uh, and then also there's going to be some inflammatory responses within the muscle just because that's what happens when you train and she hasn't trained in a while and that's going to cause some fluctuations as well. So it could be masked by that. It could be stress. Um, they could have just not reversed long enough. I know people that like, you know, they're like, oh, I've been off and on dieting forever. I need to reverse diet. We reverse diet for six months and they don't respond well to a deficit after that reverse. And I feel bad because six months is a long time of reverse dieting, but at the end of the day, if you were off and on dieting for two fucking years, we probably got more work to do. Yeah. You know, they, a lot of times people like, like researchers will say, oh, you need to take a, like the same amount of time, if not longer. So if you dieted for eight months and just wrecked your metabolism uh, and you have to try to like kind of heal your body, quote unquote, it might take a year. I don't even know if that's quote unquote. That's fact. Literal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. On a, on a podcast, but I think I it could, it could be many things. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't uh, there more often than not. People aren't actually in a deficit. I think people underestimate how often people mistrack. I've even had experienced clients who have were over consuming calories by 300 every day, not realizing it. And it's like, why aren't they losing weight? They're perfect. They understand max. They understand this. And then finally we like nitpick through their food logs and we're like, Oh, here's why. And then we just change that and then they get more accurate. And they're like, oh, should I have been overeating? Or I've been measuring that wrong. Or I haven't been adding this. You know what I mean? And it, and it can, or I picked the wrong selection in my fitness pal. And it's like, it's easy. So you have to pay attention to detail. Damn. Yeah. That's great. I was just, after that uh, diet break mm-hmm. rant you just went on, I was just waiting for you to say at the end. So basically, it depends. <laughs> That was like a really long-winded answer for it depends. Yeah. All right. Next question is uh, from Vanessa Gillette. If you are do- if you're dieting for a photo shoot, what if any? Oh, oh, I see. If you are dieting for a photo shoot, what if anything can you do in the final days to ensure you look as lean as possible on the day of the shoot? Um, I mean, peak week to an extent is a myth like it's not a thing i mean it is a thing because you can do small manipulations to look better on stage like when we put somebody on stage i absolutely do different things on the last week but there's no magic tricks like if you're not ready for the shoot a week out you're not ready for the shoot like and i see that a lot of people are like okay like i didn't get where i wanted to be what can i do this week to to get to be where i want to be it's like nothing like we can't cut water we can't cook carbs nothing's gonna happen that fast there's no diuretic you can take um but i think the best things to do if you are lean enough to do it and you're gonna go through a peak week um maintain sodium levels so one of the worst things you can do is is fluctuate those because it's very dangerous and if you if you miss if you if you misapply like sodium uh, depleting and loading, which is something people do. Like they'll stop taking sodium and then they load sodium. Sodium helps increase For the pump. Uh, so if, if you cut sodium throughout the week and then you load it the night before or vice versa, there's different ways to do it. There's front loading and back loading with carbs and sodium. But essentially when you manipulate sodium levels, you can pull more water into the muscle cell mm. because sodium helps give you a pump. Yeah. That's why I like taking some pink Himalayan salt before you work out. It gives you a better pump, better energy. But if you take too much salt or if you do it wrong – you can pull water into subcontinuous, which means like the layer of fat, so mm-hmm. over the muscle. So then you don't look ripped, you look watery, and it kind of ruins it. So the best thing to do is to like, uh, like before that week comes, track your sodium and see what you're consuming and just maintain that because the next recommendation I'm going to give you is to basically limit your food variety. So if you're being pretty flexible with your diet, which you should be uh, throughout the normal part of the year, and then you come to your peak week, and you switch to all like let's say asparagus and spinach for greens and like just chicken and steak for protein maybe egg whites and then like just white rice for carbs which i would recommend like i would have a little bit of fruit in there too um but white rice is super easy to digest it's super easy to get in the muscle cell protein is chicken egg whites and steak are really easy for most people to digest if you can't tolerate eggs take those out 
Either way, it's a great protein source, rich in amino acids. Spinach and asparagus give you a lot of nutrients, but they're super easy to digest for most people and they don't bloat you. Um, and if you keep it simple like that and you just have like, let's say olive oil or nut butter, again, super easy to digest and it's mainly monounsaturated fat versus saturated fat. If you keep your diet to that, you're probably going to like look tighter. Your, your body's going to digest and absorb those nutrients better and you're probably not going to be as bloated. Is that sustainable? Probably not because nobody wants to just eat those foods all the time. You know, it's, it's just not fun. Mm-hmm. I eat foods almost on a daily basis that could potentially make me more bloated than not, but I'm not stepping in front of a camera every day. So, yeah. so I want to enjoy my life, but, um, camera or on stage on stage <laughs> or in front of a camera shirtless, but, oh yeah. um, but point being is like when you, when you switch the diet to that, it's going to help just tighten you up make sure you're not bloated. Cause the worst thing you want to do is, is, you know, have a bunch of broccoli because that's healthy and then you're bloated in front of the camera. And look uh, and yeah, exactly. And, uh, so doing that, but if you don't track your salt before that week, your salt's probably gonna drop off. Cause if you cut out a bunch of artificial stuff, you cut out even natural foods that have a lot of salt in it, your salt intake's going to go down. And then when you bring it back up, you might have that watery effect that you didn't want. Right. So, um, or you, you flatten out throughout the week because you let your sodium levels just drop. So usually when you do that, you got to salt your foods too. And just measure it like quarter teaspoon with each meal is like not that much, but it's enough to like get the job done. And you just have that with each meal. Um, I would drink a gallon of water a day and I would put lemons in it. It's a natural diuretic. This is in peak week? Yep. Okay. Uh, I know. I said there's nothing you can do and then I'm listing a bunch of shit. Um, You can uh, drink a gallon of water a day um, for bigger dudes, like a little bit more. I usually stay between a gallon to a gallon and a half on like the week of the shoot, um, putting water or putting lemons in it. The the couple days before lemons are a natural diuretic and a good enzyme for digestion. So again, making sure you're not holding water, making sure you're not staying bloated. Your digestion's good on the peak week. Um, because you might have less fiber seeing how you're cutting out things like broccoli and oats and stuff like that. Um, and then the last thing I would say is probably just deload training, like cut out cardio, um, and deload training because the last thing you want to do is really stress your body out because then cortisol goes up, water retention goes up. So last week should be just all about getting a pump all week, deloading, simple foods that are easy to digest, salting those meals, gallon of water a day. should be good. Dope. That's what I would do. That's basically what I do before a shoot. Um, are, you, are you doing a shoot? Not anytime soon. That's yeah. all, like I'm going to. I, I want to do it like a year. When was after. the last one you did? last september yeah so at the earliest i would do it this coming With september chris bearcat helped me uh, no no no. i mean who did the shoot pal pal it was i mean it was the last time i did like a shoot where i was like all right i want to look ripped yeah and like flex and yeah. shit like that um you should do one after the year with Eric trick that's what i'm gonna do so yeah. basically our plan is to spend at least eight eight months just trying to put on some mass and then bulk four months cutting Or if we get to month eight and I'm like, dude, I mean, if we're not where we want to be, I'll spend a year gaining. I don't care. I'd rather spend the time doing it because if it's 12 months gaining and then four months cutting or eight months, I don't care. Like, I mean, realistically, I'm going to be at the result at eight months or 12 months. Yeah. And because I think I want to say we're pushing for 185 pounds. That was like the the ideal goal. I don't know because – Dude, like last time I cut, I got down to 159, but I'm also like, You're and I'm 177 right now. So say you get to 183 or 185, whatever. That, like 10 pounds. That four month cut, you want to cut 10, 10 pounds, pounds, probably 10 to 12 pounds. Yeah. So I would cut down to like one between 170 and 175. Wow. Or yeah, probably a, like probably 170, cut 15 shredded. pounds. Shredded, but if I do that, I'll also be you know ten pounds heavier than I was. It'd be in a de- would massive be, deficit, huge difference. Yeah. Um, How many calories you had? Uh, Two thousand five. Right now, twenty. We just bumped them up again, like twenty-seven fifty. So I'm eating a lot of food. I'm training. My, my volume's Keeping actually. Keeping busy. I'm. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> cooking a lot. I'm. I'm doing more volume than I've ever done before too. And we actually are changing it. Starting this is my deal, and then we're changing it next week because I just I was burning out yeah. i was like man but six, that was like what eight weeks nine weeks 15 weeks Holy just push pull legs of just tons of volume and i was like man oh, great gains but i'm getting to a point where i'm starting to get some like achy joints and yeah. i was like dude i'm hurting yeah. and he was like yeah I, I mean it's gonna happen 
times. Yeah, exactly. I usually, I, usually with a high volume program, I usually go for anywhere between twelve to sixteen weeks. Some people can push to eight, uh, 20 weeks. Wow. But if you're if you're really pushing the intensity and the effort, and you're lifting heavy weights, which one of my focuses is to get strong too. So I'm lifting heavier and heavier. I'm I'm lifting more than I've ever lifted. Uh, so that's gonna play five, a big role too. Months, huh? And and I kind of set myself up for success too because I'm I came off of a cut and uh, rehab from my surgery. Yeah. So when I started with Ariel, I was like, my knee is finally a hundred percent. I can start squatting again. Damn. And so my legs just blew up. Dude, there's so many pants I can't wear anymore because like they're just like skin tight. Dope. It's bad. It's dope, but it sucks because they're nice pants. Oh my god, you can go buy them. I don't want to buy new like. The sweats I can do, but, like, I hate trying on jeans and shit. And I don't order jeans because if you order jeans and then they're too small or they're too big, you're like, fuck, now i got to return them, ship them back. So I'm just waiting for Nordstrom to open up in phase 11. Not in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It sucks. <laughs> That's not funny. A lot of people in Washington or outside of Washington won't know what I'm talking about, like, when I said phase 11. Because even with Vinny, like, I was talking to my brother who lives in Texas, for those listening. I was like, what phase are you guys in? He's like, what? He's like, what phase are you in? What are you talking about? I was like, isn't your city in a phase? And he was like, phase of what, dude? And I was like, quarantine. He's like, no, they just opened. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, everything was shut down. And last week, back up. everything just opened. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, everything's open. He's like, yeah, everything's back normal in Texas. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, well, we're on phase one. Hopefully, crossing our fingers, we'll get approved for phase two. Yeah. Which means that, like, what, barbershops and salons. We have 15 people. Can't have 15 people. Right now, it's, like, only food, basically, right? Takeout. And takeout. Well, no. I went to Blue Max Meats, and there was only seven people allowed in there at once. Dude, I got, uh, I bought ribs. Dude. First time I ever smoked ribs. Fire. Seven hours. Oh, I saw that. In a smoker. Yeah. Dude, it was so good. It was funny, because I bought a full rack. Blue Max. From, from Blue Max, yeah. One was this long. Like, it was like a literal full rack, you know? And yeah. then I got a half rack because yeah. Andreas was helping us backsplash. I was like, I'm going to get enough for him to stay and yeah. eat. He didn't stay. I ate a full rack of ribs. It's like 20 bones. Wow. Dude, it was ridiculous. Surplus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't eat, like, all day because we were doing the backsplash all day. Yeah. Remember I told you um, – I'm sure some listeners know about uh, Butcher Box. Mm-hmm. So they had a wait list, mm-hmm. you know? And so Josephine got an email a day or two ago and was like, hey, we're up for, you know, we can get uh, Butcher Box now. <laughs> There's like, what, six six categories? Yeah. Four of them were sold out. <laughs> I was like, wow. So we can have prawns and we can have, like, Damn. yeah. I wonder if they, like, have, uh, like, they give first priority to people who have been with them. Because I've never had that happen to us. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys already buy it? No, we said no thanks. We can give you a discount for your first box if you want. Don't. Like if I basically we can give anybody thirty dollars off their first I, one. I prefer Blue Max, but I mean yeah. I don't prefer it. But like if it's I, actually not expensive either. What? It's really not. It's not that much. I bought my neighbor of like price wise. Blue Max is not overly no, charged. Not at all. And it's a local, grass fed everything Dude, butcher. Like it's I super get nice. A crap ton of meat. A crap ton for like seventy bucks. Yeah. Like, and I mean my whole entire freezer's full. I got my neighbor, because you remember I, I showed you that shelf he built us out of nowhere? Yeah. So I, I bought him. He has a Traeger, too, to smoke stuff. So I bought him a tri-tip, like a big tri-tip. It's like seven bucks. Whoa. And it was huge. Yeah. Seven? Seven bucks. Wow. Yeah. Damn. It was big. Yeah, there was. My some. ribs were like 17. Yeah. And then I bought a huge bag of jerky. I was out of there in 40 bucks. Yeah. Dude. And I, I ate like over a pound of jerky. Got Dude. sick. I'm about to head over there tomorrow. That's great. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to it. Go to your lo- local bur- butcher, people. Next question. From Robin Stewart. Do you find post-menopausal women need lower calories for a longer period of time despite them being active in order to lose body fat? Is there a certain amount of time of being in a deficit you recommend a diet break despite all f- biofeedback being on point? Or just, or should I just push through? Not I. Or should just push through the deficit if they are feeling good? Bring that a little bit closer to you. I gotta hear your voice, bro. You got a beautiful voice. Check. That was way better. See, (laughs) look at the sound waves. Um, Yes, they do typically need that. Um, 
I don't, I don't want to say like if you're going through menopause, your metabolism is slower. But I mean, for one, as you age, your metabolism does slow down. Uh, not necessarily because your metabolism is wrecked or anything, but it's because other lifestyle factors decrease, whether that's time in the gym, whether that's time moving around, whether that's running around with your kids or just activity in general, or it's like the fact that your testosterone lowers for men, or, or maybe you get worse sleep because you have more responsibilities and you also have a dog and like all these things and stress goes up as you get older too. Those things hamper your metabolism and hormones kind of wear down. Part of menopause is this kind of this cascade of hormonal craziness going on in, in the female's body and the metabolism can slow down a little bit during that time and typically what I see is like yeah you either have to dig a little bit deeper or just diet a little bit longer or a combination of both so and it's hard because you know I, for one there's a lot of people selling like bullshit hacks and supplements and stuff like that to women with menopause of like yep. this will fix it and it's like yeah, you should be taking some like natural supplements and vitamins and herbs and things like that to help improve the hormones that are to kind of taking a hit from the menopause. But there's nothing you're going to take that's going to allow you to lose fat faster through menopause. Um, it really comes down to a deficit. And the deficit does have to be pretty big for people with menopause because of this, this hormonal and met metabolic flux that happens. Um, and then sometimes it just takes longer. Like their bodies are just more stubborn plain and simple. So, um, you know, I, I have seen some women that work better with a low carb, high fat diet during menopause. Um, but there's also women going through menopause that are really, really active in the gym and I, I keep carbs up and they're fine, you know, and they lose, lose weight just, just as efficiently. Um, it just kind of depends on the person, you yeah. know, and, and some people have it worse than others. Some people's bodies are more stubborn than others, but typically I have noticed that women who are going through menopause usually have to dip calories a little bit lower than the average person to achieve the result they want to achieve during that period of time. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Touche. Is that both questions? Oh, was there a second part? Oh, um, she just says, is there a certain amount of time of being in a deficit you recommend uh, before a diet, a diet break. break despite all biofeedback being on point or, um, ju or just push through the deficit? If biofeedback's on point, I mean, going back to what we discussed with a diet break, it's kind of neutral, right? Yeah. It's not, you know, you don't need a diet break because like taking a diet break isn't going to reverse menopause, you know? So I think, can it slow down the negative imp or the, the impact the diet has on the hormones? Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because you're taking yourself out of diet for a little bit. Uh, however, I think that it, it's best to take diet breaks every, I mean, you need a, you need at least a few weeks in a deficit in that case. So at the most you're taking every, or at the least you're taking, yeah, at the most you're taking every three weeks, but you can push that out to six or eight or 12. Um, and for some people it works better to not take in diet breaks, maybe have some like free meals, like, you know, they're dieting and dieting, dying. Oh, it's your anniversary. Don't track tonight. Just just enjoy the meal. It's kind of like a refeed, controlled. Yeah. Go back to the diet. You keep going, keep going, keep going. It's been 12 weeks. You've lost some weight, but you've been in a deficit for a while. We're going to take a four-week maintenance period or a six-week maintenance period, right, where we're not trying to completely reverse everything or, or get you to maintenance because we're going to get back into the diet, but we're going to spend half the time, six weeks, bringing your calories up to maintenance, recovering, training hard, sleeping better, minimizing stress, and then get back into a deficit for a while. So that's probably how it would for go Because sure. you probably need a little bit longer in that deficit in order to justify a diet break because their bodies are just – they're more stubborn. Yeah. All right. Um, we got a couple more here. We got Renee Arston. How does the nutrition and macro tally differ from, from weight training as prescribed by one of your pr programs versus what we – what we see with a lot of our friends, clients doing a circuit style routine with more cardio and lighter weights. Um, typically more calories, more carbs. That's really like, but protein's not going to change. Like, I mean, you could argue that the more resistance and you put your muscles through, the more weight you lift, the more protein you'll need to recover because you're putting your body through more work and more damage. But I would argue that no matter what you're doing in training, you probably need adequate protein levels to get the result you want to get. So yeah. protein's not going to change. Um, I, I'm typically the type of person that puts fat where it needs to be to give the minimal or the at least the minimum, maybe just above that. So if, if I calculate that 50 grams is the minimum you need in order to support your hormones and health, I might go 55, you know, yeah. just barely over that because going 70 isn't going to supercharge them. So let's just minimize that so we get the benefit and we don't store extra fat for no reason. And then the rest is carbs. Now, if you're weight training and doing a lot of higher glycolytic, high resistance, high stress training like what we do, 
you're going to have more carbs. Mm -hmm. If you're just doing lightweight cardio, you're going to burn less glycogen and fuel in the muscle. You're going to build less muscle. You're going to need less carbs. So the deficit's probably going to need to be bigger in the circuit training people. The carbs are going to be lower in the circuit training people. And the, the calorie balance can be higher with the weight training people and the carbs are going to be higher with the weight training people. Yeah. That's about it. I'm going to try to rapid fire these so we can get through a few more. Yep. We got one from uh, Alicia Bray. Keep it simple. I've been educating myself on priming mobility before lifts. I have found lots of awesome information and suggestions, but when I'm in a time crunch, where are your suggestions for four to five priming moves for the full body session? I know, quote unquote, it depends Mm -hmm. on an individual's needs, but a super general roadmap where we need to get in, get out, and get on with our life. Um, For a full body, I would probably say – I mean, it all depends on the compound lift of the day. Yeah. So even if, if even if I'm doing a full body session, I'm probably not going to do a heavy bench, a heavy squat, and a heavy deadlift, unless I'm doing a DUP powerlifting program. And in that case, I would spend more time. But most people listening probably aren't going to do that. They're probably going to be like, okay, today I'm squatting, and then I'm going to do a bunch of accessory work. So I might still do a hip hinge or a deadlift variation, like a single leg RDL or something like that. But I'm not going to do heavy deadlift, heavy squat, heavy bench. Yeah. Um, but most likely, I'm I'm hitting upper back, I'm hitting hamstrings, and I'm hitting some kind of anti rotation pattern. If I do that, I'm good. So if you're benching, overhead pressing, or anything like, or squatting, hitting your upper back is going to help you. Your shoulders with pressing, it's going to help uh, your shoulders and your upper back when you're putting a bar on your back to squat or when you're doing a front rack because your traps support that that front rack position quite a bit. Um, uh, uh, hamstrings is going to help the depth of your squat. Um, if you were doing deadlifts, I'd probably do like glute activation. Not because you need to activate your glutes before you deadlift, but just because I'd rather bring tension there, get your lower body uh, not only like blood flow to the muscles, but practicing that hip hinge because yeah. you're bridging up and you're practicing that extension. Doing hamstring curls might actually overactivate your hamstrings during a deadlift, which we might not want. Um, and then some kind of anti-rotation is going to be across the board because anti-rotation typically, one, it's, it's good for your core. So if you – Ignite your core before doing a bench press or overpress or anything. You're just going to have more stability. It's going to be easier to press overhead while keeping your trunk stable. Same with bench press. But with deadlifts and squats, doing some kind of anti-rotation, so side plank or side plank plus row or a pal-off press or something like that, it's going to help internal and external rotation of your hip socket. So I can have more stability and more depth in a squat or I can get into a deadlift more comfortable because I did that side plank variation, Absolutely. which is really weird. Like I, I still have from Joe DeFranco, but it's weird that doing that kind of stuff can help that. Um, I don't know if it's the transverse abdominus, like that torque coming from that rotation or the, the resistance of that rotation. Yep. But, um, but yeah, that's what I would do. I mean, if, if I had to choose just a few, it's upper back, it's basically upper back or lats. So if I'm doing a deadlift, I'm probably gonna do lats versus traps, but upper back or in lats, uh, hamstrings and glutes, and then some kind of anti-rotation for your core you're golden yeah dope all right i think this is the last one uh and allborn do we need to be taking bcaas and is there a huge difference between those and eaas if you would suggest taking them when would be the most beneficial time to take them i'm going to refer you to listen to the research roundup that i did with brandon roberts the podcast um we're going to link the podcast and the blog in the show notes already because we talked about that. One of the studies he did on top of the diet break one was a BCA uh, study. And before listening to him talk about that, I wasn't a fan of BCAs because in most research, as we know, if you are eating enough protein, you have enough amino acids in your bloodstream, you don't need to supplement with BCAs. It's just a waste of money. Um, however, there's also some studies that show EAAs, essential amino acids, which are typically more beneficial from a recovery standpoint because it's a full spectrum of aminos versus just branch chain, which is just those three amino acids. Um, it's all the aminos. It's going to function better. It's going to help you build more muscle. So there is some studies that show EAAs and carbohydrates like highly branched dextrin or, uh, dextrose and things like that during a training session can lead to more muscle growth. Um, they showed more cross-sectional growth in a couple of studies. So literal more tissue. Um, and they think it's because the carbs and amino acids improve recovery and decrease cortisol, which helps increase muscle protein synthesis and you grow more. Um, so you could, but I think that's like, you know, if, if in six more weeks, I will have been on this gaining phase for about 20 weeks if I was completely plateaued I was like I'm not gaining anymore 
then I would be like, okay, I'm going to add this interest shake. I'm going to add some carbs and EAs in my, during my workout and see if that can give me that like half a percent. Yeah. But you're talking to somebody who basically actually literally lives in the gym. Yeah. And everything I do is, is to optimize my training. Like yeah. my schedule works around my training. My diet works around, you know what I mean? Everything is for that. So I have a reason to focus on that half percent yeah. because I want to be as jacked as humanly possible <laughs> for most people. It's pointless. It's yeah. not going to do much for you. Um, so for most people, I don't recommend amino acids at all. The cool thing about the study that he showed that kind of made me second guess them is that they did a study, I believe it was on endurance athletes. You'd have to go listen to the, to the podcast with them and read or read the blog. But basically they supplemented with BCAs before doing the bout and their VO2 max or their the maximum output of what they could do in their performance increased mm -hmm. from the BCAs. Um, and it actually had nothing to do with muscle. I think it was like a, a neural thing. Hmm. Um, but that being said, if I can drink BCAs before my workout and I have more intensity because of that, that's a huge win. I think Definitely. it's worth it. So read the study, see what you think about it. I think it could be worth it. Um, I don't think it's something that's going to be like a make or break it, but yeah. I think it's something that could add a, add a percent or two. Yeah. And listen to that podcast with Brandon. Yep. All right, man. That was a good Q and a man. We'll, uh, see you next week. Yes, sir. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.